It is my third day on the island, or rather, third night. I am currently recording from my motel room, where I will be doing the majority of my recording from. This is the first time I've bothered to record anything since my arrival on the island. My time here has been... uneventful. The town seems equally empty as it is large. Two days, and I've failed to interview a single person, but not from lack of trying. The few people I have seen tend to stare, from the recesses of broken apartments or from overgrown and untended lawns. As I try to approach, they disappear. Could this really be how they treat all visitors here? Have I just found the largest collective of introverts on the planet? That, unfortunately, is not going to make a good story. I've gotten lost... I don't know how many times. I'm probably lucky I made it back to my motel room at all. My adventures into the city have led me to a few key discoveries, however. It appears that most everyone lives on one concentrated strip around Main Street. This makes sense. I mean, the city used to hold thousands of people, now merely hundreds. Commodities, though rare they are, are all centrally located for the sake of convenience. I'm sure there are more, though, scattered throughout. My motel itself is located on the outskirts of town. Here, the buildings thin out, separated by large swaths of overgrown grass. The tree line of a nearby forest can be seen from the parking lot. I thought about getting a closer look, but I turned around. Something about the look of it just gave me the chills. You know the way a looming forest looks? Thick conifer trees and oaks grabbing up all the light from the underbrush? The way it seems you can look into it forever even though you can hardly see 20 feet in front of you. No thanks. I'll save that for another day, or avoid it entirely if I can. Well, tomorrow I suppose I'll head back into town. I do owe Gina a visit. She's been more hospitable than most around here, and frankly, I'm tired of the microwave meals I've been getting from the convenience store. And now, who could this possibly be? Yes, who are you? Joanna. You're the reporter in town. You've been causing quite a fuss. What do you mean? I haven't spoken to hardly a soul since arriving. Is there something I can help you with? We'll see. I have some information for you. For your story. You need to let us in first, though. Us? My dog and I. Bruno, take it easy. Oh, good. I love dogs. Alright then, come in. Thank you. You'll want to lock that door. And the windows, are they locked? I don't know. Does it really matter? Who's going to try and break in? Check. Keep your doors and windows locked from now on. Believe me, it's for your own good. My own good? You care to explain just what the hell it is you're talking about? I'm getting there. What's with the luggage? Going somewhere? It's got everything I have left to my name. Are you running from something? Someone? Where have you left? Where are you going? You're full of questions. Look, I want to make a deal. A deal? What kind of deal? I'll give you information, everything I know, and documents written by my father about the island. It's more than enough for the story you're trying to write. All I ask in return is that you take me with you when you leave. Okay, how much information are we talking about? 25 years of life experience on the island, plus the files stored on this flash drive. My father was something of an investigator. He was interested in researching the island and documenting his findings. All of his work is saved within it. That's quite a deal. If what you say is true, my job just got a lot easier. Mind if I take a look? Yes, actually. You get me off the island, I give you the flash drive. That's the deal. 
Now, if you want to look at it together, we can do that, but I don't trust you alone with it. I don't want you going back on our deal. Well, I'll agree to that. I'm curious, though. Why do you need to get off the island so badly? And why do you need me to help you do it? <sighs> Residents of the island can't leave on their own. We can only leave if a stranger accompanies us. I don't understand. That sounds absurd. There's a lot you don't understand. If you're serious about learning more about this place, you need to learn to embrace the absurd. Why did you choose now to speak to me? I need to leave as soon as possible. It's something I always knew I'd have to do, but the time is now. There's nothing left for me here. My father once told me there would come a day when I'd have to leave, that I'd know when the time came. He told me to keep a bag packed with everything I would need, including the flash drive. It's his legacy. Your father, is he alive? He disappeared about two years ago. Before he left, he gave me the flash drive. He said if anything were to happen to him, I need to take the information and get out. You want to know about the taking, right? That's why you're here? What do you already know? Hardly anything. What I do know is just compiled from a collection of newspaper clippings. A few people go missing a year, sometimes as few as two or three, sometimes as high as twenty, and always in April. I'll admit, I'm having a hard time talking to the locals. I'm not surprised. Well, you're here now. Maybe you could explain. What do you know about the taking? What you've said so far is pretty accurate. Every year, always in late April, people go missing. They just disappear. There's hardly ever a connection between the people who are chosen. It just seems random. No one questions this. No one looks for those who are suddenly gone one day. It's just accepted as reality here and life goes on. These people, they just seem to disappear into thin air. No one ever sees them being taken, or perhaps those who see are taken as well. We used to think there was strength in numbers that maybe being in a group would be safer. Last year, a group of about eight locals holed up in the diner to try and stick it out together. The whole night they stayed up drinking, keeping their spirits up. Morning arrived and they thought they had successfully avoided tragedy, succeeded where no one had managed to before. It was only when they left the place when they realized how wrong they were. Eight bikes were outside, leaned up against the wall. Eight bikes, but only six people left the restaurant that morning. They hadn't even noticed that anyone was gone. No one remembered even who else they had arrived with or who they had talked to and drank with all night. Two people just gone, and the only evidence was two extra bikes parked outside. And no one grieved. No one could remember who to grieve for. That's how it goes every year. Since I've been here, I'd guess almost 250 people have been taken. Who knows the real number, though? When you can't even remember who is gone, it makes the numbers unreliable. It could be more. A lot more. It could be less. But you remember your father. He was taken? Maybe. I can't say. I keep a picture of my father on me. It keeps him in my mind. I think about him every day, the advice he gave me, the lessons he taught me. One day he was just gone. The timing wasn't right though, it wasn't April when he disappeared. Was he taken? I can't say. I hope I'll find out one day, I, I hope I'll find him. And now I'm afraid that whatever happened to him or whoever came after him, I'm afraid it's after me now. 
What reason do you have to believe that? Because I was nearly taken myself. It's not the right day, though. It's not even March. Last night I had a home. Last night I had a life. That was taken. It's the reason I'm here now talking to you. I just knew that this was the moment my father was preparing me for. The moment I knew I would have to leave. Do you want to elaborate on what happened yesterday? No. Okay. How about your father? Would you like to talk a bit more about him? No. Listen. My father is not important to your story. The information he gathered is, but me and my family are not a part of this investigation. I'm sorry for prying. Old work habit. It's fine. I'm just... Yeah, I'm usually not the snippy. It's just been a long night, and I'm in a tough spot. No, I understand. We can talk about this another time. Before you implied that there's more going on here than just the taking, do you care to elaborate on that? Where to start? And don't say the beginning, because there is no beginning. There's always a beginning. Just start with something. Okay. I'll tell you about Jake, the only plumber on the island. From what I've heard, Jake was one of the few people who moved to town without any family with him. He just showed up one day, bought a house, and mostly kept to himself outside of work. He quickly proved himself to be an excellent plumber. He could fix any leak, clear the pipes with ease, even down to the sewage tanks. Naturally, because he was the only plumber in town, it would take him a while to get to you if you were having an emergency, but eventually he would pay you a visit. There was one time, way back before my time, when the island was hit with a pretty bad storm. All the surges from the harbor backed into the storm drains. The sewer system itself was backing up. Everyone in the city was complaining about their water coming back out of the pipes with a strange tint to it. Jake decided to investigate the sewers. He figured it had to be some sort of issue down there. I can't imagine what would cause it, a dead animal, some seaweed, who knows. Jake thought to himself, there has to be a reasonable explanation for the contaminated water. No one knows exactly what happened in the sewer, but within a few hours he emerged covered in a black sludge with a toothy grin and a terrible wet cough. He called all of the residents and told them there would no longer be a water problem. True to his word, there were no more issues. However, from then on, Jake was always covered in the sludge. All you could ever see of him was his bright eyes and wide smile. There were other changes in Jake after he went into the sewer. For one, he no longer accepted jobs during the day. He would only come during dusk or at night. He said the sun dried him out. It also took him forever to get into town. He couldn't drive anymore because of the sludge covering his body. His feet would slip all over the pedals and the sludge would drip into the controls of his car. So at dusk, he would slowly trudge into town. Given all these oddities, he was still the only plumber in town, so folks didn't really seem to mind. They did mind the absolute mess he would leave in their homes, though. One of his clients, one of the few who still called on Jake regularly, began to ask if there was any way he could make less of a mess. Jake pondered this briefly, and then, with a wide smile, told her he would do just that. He began living and working in the sewer system. If you had any plumbing jobs, you just called for him and he would work his way to your pipes and clear them from the bottom up. After a while, no one even called him. 
he would call you once he discovered an issue and would promptly clear it up. It's almost like he could travel through the pipes, like he can feel when they're in need of repair. You could always tell when he was working nearby by the sound of his awful coughing spells coming from up the drain. A few residents who were concerned for his well-being went into the sewer looking for him, fearing he would die or get hurt if he continued to live down there. They never came back. Then one day, a public service announcement was broadcast by the radio. It was about Jake. According to the host, he had spoken with Jake recently and wanted to share some of his important information regarding his work. Safety, Jake said, was a primary concern of his. For this reason, he asked that no one else attempt to reach him in the sewers. A tragedy had befallen the crew that had gone missing searching for him. He said that his work required privacy. For no reason, he finished, was anyone to attempt to gain entrance into the sewers. He guaranteed everyone that any problem that may arise would be handled as soon as possible and for everyone to just call down the drain if they needed anything from him at all. Ever since then, we just let him do what he does best. So is he still there in the sewers? Of course. What would we do without our resident plumber? He never makes himself known to strangers. He's insecure about his looks. You really expect me to believe that there's a man living in the damn pipes? Hey, you believe what you want to. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to help myself to your spare bed, and we can continue tomorrow. I hope you've got some concrete evidence for your next story. Tomorrow, we'll go for a walk, and you won't be disappointed. This is the last time I take an anonymous source. What kind of reporter would I be if I didn't follow up on every lead, no matter how ridiculous? I'll just leave this recording right here, and if there happen to be any resident plumbers who would be interested in an interview, maybe they'll come calling. There's never any hot water in this place. Thanks for listening to the Gamora Podcast. The Gamora Podcast is written, voiced, and produced by R.L. Salater. If you like what you hear, leave a comment, subscribe to us on iTunes, and tell your friends about us. Look out for the next episode of the Gamora Podcast in two weeks. Join us again in our continuing search for rest, solitude, and meaning.